0: Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the 12th Sunday after Pentecost, and we hear from the Reverend Phil Brochard as he preaches from the lectionary, which this week was Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 to 28. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. Sometimes there are stories in our scripture, like this one from Matthew's Gospel, that um, really need to be seen from several angles, because there is much more than initially meets the eye. I find this to be especially true with this morning's Gospel text. Not that we can explain the difficult parts away because no matter how we read the story, some of them will remain. But more that we might be able to see why it mattered so much for the early Christians that they held on to it. So this morning what I'd like to do is I'd like to look at this story three ways. I'd like to examine the story in the text. I'd like to explore the story that created this text, and I'd like to consider the story that comes from this text. First the story in the text, which is challenging. There's just no way around that. I am likely not alone in finding this to be a very difficult story to hear. And the context is that Jesus has been in the Galilee and he's taken his disciples away up to foreign territory to a region known as Phoenicia. And as they are traveling, they are met by a woman of that land. And it's clear from our text that she is desperate. She has somehow heard of this Jewish rabbi healer, and prophet, and she knows that he has the power to heal her daughter. And so she does what I think uh, most any parent would do in that situation. She shouts to get his attention. Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. And what does Jesus do? At first, Jesus ignores this mother in her need. He stonewalls her with silence. Why would he do that? Well, context is important here. Uh, For one thing, this woman is breaking a slew of codes about how a foreign woman behaves with a Jewish man. And interestingly, we have just heard a teaching about what defiles someone. Is it their ritual actions or is it the words that come from their mouth? And so, when confronted with this act of what could be ritual uncleanness, Jesus stays silent. But I've been really sitting with this and wondering this week, when he sees this woman, what is Jesus seeing? Simply a a foreign woman, someone outside of his bounds? Is he seeing her suffering? Is he seeing her desperation? And what is he thinking? Is he he just hoping that she'll go away? Is he wondering what she'll do next? Jesus' silence drags on and on and on. And maybe the silence is too much, or maybe it's not enough for the disciples, because they urge him not to speak with her, but to push her out, to send her away. Which again, given the ritual context of this day, is a lawful thing to do. But it's not what Jesus does. In fact, he bends the rules. In a way, he invites conversation. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Essentially, what you are asking of me is a category error. There's a circle, and you're not in it. She persists. She goes and kneels at his feet. Lord, help me. And Jesus' next statement is one that scholars have been debating about ever since. It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Now, there are several takes, several interpretations of this statement. Some say that Jesus isn't uh, calling her a dog in a demeaning way. Really? (laughs) Oh, you dog. Others say that he is going to heal her daughter the whole time, that he's just testing her faith, as if her faith was not tested enough before that day. And still others say that this is a form of of banter, of... uh, Jesus setting up kind of an opportunity for a mutual teaching. In any case, this statement does not deter the Canaanite mother, because she then abides by one of the cardinal rules of improv. Yes, and. Yes, and. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And in that moment, it appears that something changes for Jesus, which is a loaded theological statement. And some say that this is a new teaching for him. Others say that it it advances the timeline for something that was already going to happen but brings it near. But whatever the reason, it seems like that woman's faith and her statement shifts something and Jesus accedes to her wish and her daughter is healed instantly. So that's one facet of our story this morning, and that's the story that's in the text. And now I want to spend some time with the story that created the text, as in, why did this story get told in the way that we hear it? As I've talked about before, the community that produced Matthew's gospel was a community wrestling with who is in and who is out. It was a community that was profoundly rooted in the Jewish tradition and who saw Jesus as a new Moses. And it was a community that was wrestling in the first century with a very particular and really challenging question. What does it mean for other people to be able to receive what we have received? And by other people, I mean Gentiles. I mean foreigners. Those perceived to be outside of the covenant. In short... Who is in and who is out? And we get a clue in our text that this was a a really important question in this part of this gospel, and the clue is that in the first century, there were actually no Canaanites in that land. Canaan was no longer a political reality any more than Spain is in California, And so by naming her a Canaanite woman, the writers of this gospel are sending us a clear signal because there is a long tradition in Judaism of Canaanite women offering knowledge about God that the insiders within Judaism desperately need to know. And Matthew's gospel actually shows us the way. And I don't mean to get all, like, Da Vinci Code or National Treasure on us this morning. (laughs) But the clues are actually found in the very first verses of this gospel. Do you remember the part of Matthew's gospel that you always skip? The genealogy? So, the genealogy is almost all men, except three women are named. Rahab, Ruth and Tamar. And you know what all three of these women have in common? They're all foreigners. They're all Gentiles. They're all scandalous women. Outsiders who prove to be faithful and salvific to the people of Israel. So can you see how describing her as a Canaanite woman someone who is revealing an essential truth about the nature of Jesus and His mission with the people of Israel and beyond. Do you see why it would be so important for the people of the Matthean community to put her here in this encounter, in this conflict? And the writers of this gospel have actually set it all up. Earlier in our chapter, there's this argument between Jesus and the religious scholars of the day, and it's an argument about who is right with God, those on the inside who keep all the ritual actions of washing their hands before they eat, or those who by their words show their faith and that their heart is open to God's mercy. When confronted with that dilemma, Jesus says, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. And then the gospel enacts that with Jesus and this Canaanite woman. At the start of the scene, no one sees what is being revealed, but this outsider who has faith in who Jesus is and what Jesus does helps him and helps us to see that the healing power of God is often in the places and in the people that we least expect. So we have the story in the text, a a story about what Jesus sees and about what he doesn't see. And then we have the story of the text where the Matthean community was wrestling with how they would live with who is in and who is out. And so they told this story to help their community see where the healing truth of God is revealed. And so lastly, we come to the story that comes from the text. And this part of the story, well, it hasn't been written yet. This part of the story gets written by you and by me. Later today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. And this part of the story is told when we come to our own moments of being willing or unwilling to see the revelation of salvation in the unexpected and even in the unwanted Remember, the, the disciples in Jesus, they didn't want to listen to a woman, they didn't want to listen to a foreigner. So often we want our revelations to come from the familiar, from the things that we are comfortable with, from the places that won't change the way we see the world. We don't want to imagine a truth coming out of the mouth Of someone we don't yet trust. But the rest of the story from this text can only be told when we are willing to see each other, truly see each other, see the other person as a fellow pilgrim worthy of mercy. And I know it's not as simple as it sounds, There are all kinds of reasons we look past each other. We look past each other because we've been taught to. We don't see the person in front of us because we are afraid or because we can't be bothered. or Sometimes because we feel disgusted and we turn away and we miss the revelation of God, the truth of mercy and healing right in front of us. So friends, our story today asks us to open our eyes, open our hearts, for healing awaits, persisting in the most unexpected of places if we are but willing to see it.